0: You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. Uh, How is everybody doing today? Well, that is awesome. If you're not doing good, you wouldn't say, you'd be like, I'm doing great, and you won't even tell me. But uh, we are in uh, our, another week. We're continuing a series on experiencing God. As I've said before, if you haven't been here, I am Stephen Daniel. I am the associate pastor to English Campus English campish. Um, today I'm going to try something different. Uh, today I'm going to try to slow down and speak with more importance and impact. No, uh, I, I, I am going to try to slow down because I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to communicate a message to you guys so that you can grab hold of what God is trying to speak. So if I speak a little bit slower today, it's because I'm working on it. Because I really, really just want to speak fast. Because you know that's how I do it. I like to get excited and I can like start spewing through my words. But I want to slow down <laughs> to make sure it's impactful to you. All right. So today, as I said, we're continuing our discussion on experiencing God. And if you're not plugged into an experiencing God small group or you're not doing it at home with your family, I want to highly, highly encourage you to do so. And if for no other reason, here's why. If you begin to take the necessary steps to faithfully commit yourself to experience God. As the Bible says, as you draw near to him, yeah. he will draw near to you. Yeah. So if you take the steps that I'm going, I want to experience God, I can guarantee you, you will experience God. Yeah. And y'all like, yeah, pastor Steven, whatever. You're just saying that. Let me tell you what happened to me this week. Two things that happened to me this week. Now, Some things that God does is big and huge, and we kind of discredit the small things that happen in our life. But if we recognize that God is moving in the small ways, if you're faithful with the little, you'll be faithful with the much. So let me tell you about two small things that happened this week. Um, A couple weeks back after Collide, I felt like God impressed on my heart that us as a youth pastor should meet and pray. So on Wednesday mornings, I commissioned everybody, hey, if you want to come out, it's not, it's not um, mandatory. But if you want to come and join us, we're going to meet at Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock. Uh, for the past couple weeks, we've met somewhere downtown. The first week, we met together in a group, and we prayed together. The second week, we met together, we prayed, and then we walked and just prayed over downtown. This week, we met together, and I didn't feel like God had, had given me a, a specific direction. So when we met together, I asked the guys, hey, does anybody sense in anything that we should do or does it, you know, does it seem right to anyone that we should do something? And one of the guys said, you know what, there's a church down the road. I won't mention the church, but there's a church down the road that as I pass by, it, I'm just reminded of the history of that church. I'm reminded for some reason if something jumped out on this church and maybe God would have us to go pray at this church. Understand, no one said, thus saith the Lord. There was not a, the, 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 the place where we mean it didn't shake at its foundations. It just seemed right to us that we should go pray at this church. So I said, all right, well, let's be obedient. Let's go. Because I don't believe, and a lot of times I don't believe in coincidence. I believe that things happen for a reason. So we just kind of followed the rabbit trails. We went to the church. We said, all right, we're just going to walk around and pray. We divided up. We walked around to pray. We came back. I was like, all right, before we close in prayer, is anybody sensing, again, because we're trying to experience God, we're trying to be, we're trying to do what we're talking about here. Is anybody sensing God say anything? This one young man, he said, this, his name is Josiah. He's at Life Church. Um, he said, while he was praying, he saw a couple of things over in their building. So he was by their fence line and he saw one side. You guys remember the old windows, stained glass windows in a church? Those of you who know about churches, the old stained glass windows, it was broken and shattered on one side of the fence. Then on that same side of the fence, there was a river. Now you know, whatever the river is, Rome River, whatever that's called, right, that comes through that area. I don't. You guys know, I don't know, right? And then on the other side of the fence, he saw a stump that was there. And he just felt like I feel he's, again, I, I just feel like God is saying, and I'm trying. he's like, I'm trying to figure this out, but I feel like God is saying that this place is broken, but there's a, a, a remnant, there's a, a people that are left, and God said, I'm not done with them, because there's a river of living water that's right here available to them. All right, yes, yeah, that's good. If that was good enough, that would have been awesome, but we're not done. <laughs> then, then, while we're praying, one of the deacons come up to the church. And you won't believe. Right about, he didn't say these words for words, but if we're sensitive, we can hear God. He said, right now we're in a broken state. There's a few of us that it remains, but we feel like God is not done with us yet. If we will be sensitive to hearing God's voice and just simply be obedient we will see things like this happen. And here's what, what, what I see God has been showing me recently, is that I care about everybody. I care about young, old, Pastor Ronnie, <clears throat> I care about young, <laughs> old, I didn't even mess with Gary. See, I didn't mess with you, Gary, right? I care about white, black, Hispanic, Asian. I care about male, female. This man came up. We told him what we had been praying for. He told us where he was, where the church was, and then we prayed for him. He was encouraged to know that people care and that God is still hears his voice. I don't know if you've ever been that way where you felt like you were in a broken state and you needed somebody to tell you that God is still out for you. He is on your side. He was encouraged. Josiah was encouraged because he saw a vision. that He, he saw things and he, he referred to what God was doing. The young man, his name was Austin. He was at another church in a merchant, or I don't know where he's at. He's at another church and. Yeah, he, because he felt like God wanted to pray at that church, he was encouraged that God does speak to him. I was encouraged because I initiated this whole thing that I felt like God wanted to do something through us for the community. Do you see all those people and those trails of people that were encouraged? It's the simple things. It's not big. It doesn't have to be huge. Maybe you will get the privilege to lay hands on the sick and they recover. Maybe you will get the, cur- the, the chance to call down fire from heaven right but maybe God just want to let you know that I want to use you to encourage other people to tell them I love you that's one number 2 again not anything big um i don't even know what day it was but i was coming back from whatever i was doing oh i was dropping off something i went to the UPS uh, box store and the trains came through that kind of delayed me coming back home so I went to the UBX box store, and I was waiting on the train because it was doing some stupid stuff. Whatever, if you know that area, it just went there. It just stood there. It's like, I'm not going to go anywhere. I don't care where you guys got to go, right? That's rude and disrespectful. That's what they were just, right? So I was like, all right, I'll go to the store. I'll go to Duffy's and get my wife a piece of cake, right? I, I was so nice. I ended up buying myself a whole meal, though. <laughs> <I just> went, <laughs> <laughs> I got her one little tiny piece of cake. I got myself soup, sandwich, chips, uh, broccoli, coleslaw. I was tearing it up. But that's not the point of the story. But you, it's just to carry along, right? So I do that. The train finally leaves. I finally leave. And I have to head back to the church to pick up something. Because somebody had made me banana pudding and I put it in the refrigerator. If you don't know, I love banana pudding. Just want to plant that seed. Misty, Ingram, if you're in the audience, banana pudding. Right? So I come back to church and get banana pudding. It just seemed right to my spirit. It seemed right to me that I wouldn't take my normal journey. I live off of acre in Technology. I can take Technology or I can go through Garden Lakes. Depending on the time of day, if it's darker, I take Garden Lakes because I'm from the hood. I don't mess around with dark areas, right? <laughs> but it just seemed right that I should take Technology. I said, okay, it, this is weird, but I'll take Technology. I took technology, and as I'm taking technology, there was a young man that was just walking down the road. First, I passed him by because I'm like, I ain't picking up nobody. I'm on my way. I just told my wife I'm on my way home. Let's get home, right? Um, But I was like, all right, fine. Fine! (sighs) You know what I'm talking about. God tells you something. You go, okay, I'll do it. I turn around, and I go pick up the young man. The young man was walking from working at the plant that's over here off technology, not Suzuki, but the other one, And he was walking all the way to North Rome. I mean, some of you guys who grew up black in Africa, like, that's no big deal. We used to walk all the time, right? But (laughs) with crates on my head. All right, but some of you guys get what I'm saying. That was a long walk. And I picked him up. I got to hear his story. Did I proclaim the gospel to him? No. Did I tell him? He tried to offer me money. I was like, no, I just feel like God wanted me to pick you up. God bless you. That's all I said. It, you, oh. you know how encouraging it was to that young man? Just that simple word of God bless you. Then I got to have a conversation with him. Got to hear a story, how he'd been here two years, recently out of jail, just trying to get his life back right. I didn't do anything else. And then I was like, you know what? If I don't see you, because he told me his birthday, if I don't see you on your birthday, happy birthday. He said, you never know. God works in mysterious ways. You may see me again. Here's what I'm getting at. If we are obedient, Mm -hmm. if we're simply looking at, they call it uh, reading between the lines, right? If we're reading between the lines and hearing what God is trying to say, he will use us. It may be just to simply encourage someone. It may be to give somebody a ride. It may be to freak your wife out because that's what happened. I told her I was picking somebody. She's like, who, would where, and how? I'm like, baby, I'm not dead. I'm just dropping someone off for crying out loud. But she's from South Africa. You have to understand. She was worried. But... Are we going to be sensitive? So I said all that to say because it's kind of like I just felt like I need to share that with you. Today we're talking about, you're welcome. Today we're talking about experiencing God. And up until this point, experiencing God has been a breeze, really. It's been points where it's like it really doesn't challenge us. But today is a turning point. Today is you're at a crossroad. You're driving down a road and now it's veering off in two directions. Which path will you take? it's up to you. So let's go over the four points or the four realities that we have discussed so far in experiencing God. Reality number one is God works. We have to understand that God is always working around us. He's always up to something, even if we don't realize it, even though we don't recognize it. He's always working behind us. Reality number two is relationship. God is continually pursuing a loving relationship with us. He desires to be in relationship with us. That's why he made men and women. He said, I'm going to make man, I'm going to make woman, and you know what I want you guys to do? Have a lot of babies. He called it repopulate the earth, you got what I'm saying, but have a lot of babies. He desires to have a relationship with us. Number three is, it's an invitation. God is inviting you to, be able to, to become involved in his journey and what he's doing, the work. It's not even about you. It's about being sensitive to what God is doing and joining him on what he's up to work with. Will you get blessed in the, in, in the, as you're doing what he's doing? Absolutely. But more importantly, can he use you to touch someone else's life? Number four, reality number four is God speaks. And we talked about that for, the, that for the past two weeks. God is speaking. And he uses the Holy Spirit to speak to us today through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and through the church. God is speaking to us, but are we listening? All right. Today... Reality number four, five, we want to talk about crisis of belief, crisis of belief. I like this crisis because it's it's God's invitation for you to work with him. Oh, I got to read this. (laughs) God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. If you take a note, you can write that down. But if you got your book, you know it's already there. Crisis of belief. Now, when we think of crisis of belief, I just, I want to make sure that we understand a couple things. One, what is this word as we're using it for the sake of crisis, right? Is it, oh, no, my dog just died. I have a crisis in my life. Or the train tipped over in front of me. I'm stuck in this place. Crisis, he's not even talking about that kind of crisis, So I'm going to give you the definition as we look it up in Vines Expository Dictionary. Um, It says this. It don't say this in Vines Expository Dictionary. But the crisis (laughs) crisis we're talking about is crisis is a time when a difficult or important decision must be made. Think of it as as a turning point, a crossroad, or simply a decision. So when we look at this specific word as a crisis, I want to think of it as you just simply at a turning point where you need to make a decision. So to give you an example, here's your choice. If I just gave you $100, you now have a decision to make. Do you go buy a pair of shoes, which I think is a great decision, personally? Or would you do like my wife? Would you invest it and then use the, the blah, 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 and then buy shoes? Right? Would you do the wise thing of using the money, everything you have, or would you invest it? Right? Crisis decision. You're now at home, and you ran out of bread, do you go to the store and eat bread? Or do you make a peanut butter and jelly bowl sandwich? You, go, you put it in a bowl, mix it together. I've done that many times because I'm just too lazy. Right? is a decision. It's crisis. It's Just do you decide? You ran out of milk. Now, I grew up in a household where we ran out of milk all the time. So do you just put water on it? It is disgusting, I just want to point out. But eating dry cereal is equally as disgusting. So I take the soggy way. I'm, I'm giving you random because de- it's, it's, it's not that big of a deal. I know we say it's a crisis of belief, but if you look at what that word is meaning, it's like you are at a crossroad where do you actually decide that I'm going to follow what I believe? You're at a crossroad to decide, are you going to follow what you believe? Okay, let's move along. Let's make sure we understand this a little bit more. So in the book of Deuteronomy, God kind of Lay this out to the Israelites. And he's laying it out to us. Because I know we make it seem like a crisis of belief is such a big deal. But he says this in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 11. See, I'm talking a little bit slower, right? Deuteronomy chapter 30, I apologize, verse 11 through 15. It says this in verse 11. I'll wait for you guys to turn. I'm going to wipe off my sweat in the meantime. I'm doing a little bit better than I was last week. All right says this in verse 11. This command I am giving you today is not difficult for you. It's not beyond your reach. It's not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask. Who will go up to heaven and bring it down so that we can hear and obey? It's not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask. Who will cross the sea to bring it to us uh, so we can hear it and obey it? Understand what he just said. He said, it's not kept in a far distance, what he's about to tell you right now. It's not kept so far over the sea. It's not kept so high up in the mountains. It's not kept so far away from you, so it's not obtainable. Continue what he said. Verse 14. No, this message is very close at hand. It is on your lips, and it's in your heart so that you can obey it. Chapter, I mean, verse 15. Now listen. Today I'm giving you a choice between life and death between prosperity, prosperity, prosperity and disaster. We jump down to verse 19. Today I've given you a choice between life and death, blessings and cursing. Now i call on heaven and earth to witness your choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and commend yourself firmly to him. This is the key to life. I'll stop right there. When we talk about crisis of belief, he's saying it's not full, so far away from you that you can't, you can't grab it. It's not, just such a, it's not a huge decision that is not obtainable. It's simply you making a choice. It's a decision. We have other crises of beliefs, right? It's and I'm, I always pick on myself with this one. It's I believe, I know what to eat. And how to exercise to lose weight, but I have chosen on a daily basis not to follow them. <laughs> and I know you guys are like. What do you mean? You see what I mean. Don't act <laughs> like you don't see what I mean. The simple choices. It's not a crisis. It's a simple choice. You know. Maybe you don't understand fully how money works, but you know how to save. And you know that the more you save, the less you spend. And if your account, if you make more, if you spend more than you make, then your account won't balance out. You know this just in your mind and your heart. If you understand that, then why you don't act on it? Crisis of belief is not that big of a deal. You know that if you want to be a good employee, you need to go to work on time. So why are you staying up until 2 or 3 o'clock at night and expect to be at work in the morning? You get what I'm saying? Simple. Choices. There are things that we know and we understand right from wrong. That's what when we talk about crisis of belief. The only difference is are you hearing from God and are you obeying Him? So we're gonna we're gonna dig into this because we're gonna understand it from the lights of the children of Israel, the Israelites, right? And I understand I wanna make sure you understand these truths about the reality, and we're gonna talk about this today, is uh, the truth about the crisis of belief is one, it's an encounter with God. An uh, encounter God requires faith. We're going to talk about that. Two, an encounter God, um, an encounter with God, are God-sized. I'm slowing down again. Three, uh, what you do reveals what you believe. And four, truth requires action. Okay. So number one, an encounter God requires faith. It says this in Hebrews 11:6a. Verse 6 says this, and without, I mean, and it is impossible to please God without faith. I want you to understand, when we talk about an encounter with God, we're just talking about how God speaks. We said last week that when God speaks to you, not, it doesn't lead you to an encounter with God. It is an encounter with God. So when we say that encounter with God requires faith, it is, do you believe that God is speaking to you at that moment? Here's what happens. I have kids. So let's just say I'm in one room and I'm in there with Ella and Stevie's in the the other room. Far away, I don't feel like screaming. I send Ella to go get Stevie, right? Ella, go get Stevie. I tell her, Ella, go get Stevie. She goes in the room. Stevie, daddy wants you. He comes to me. What's the first question he had? Daddy, did you call me? It's not that my words didn't happen. It's that he doesn't believe that Ella is telling the truth. But I, I know that did you see that? An economy of God requires faith. We will talk about what faith is, but the point is, I said the word because He didn't hear it. It was secondhand. He didn't know that it was me, so he had to ask, "Was it you, God?" A man in the Bible had the same thing where he was struggling. It was a young prophet. A young prophet he was living. He was raising the the prophet household, whatever that looked like back in the day, and. Throughout the night, three different times, he heard God speak. And he, he got up in the middle of the night. He went to his, his father figure at the time, who was training him up. And he said, is, did you call me? He's like, no, I didn't call you. He didn't understand God's voice. And then finally, the man of God said, hey, that's God te- calling you. Next time he calls you, you just say, yes, Lord, I'm here listening. So in order to understand that God is speaking to you, you have to believe that God is speaking to you. I just think about my kids when I call Stevie he comes running so if Stevie hears my voice and understand it doesn't even have to be my voice you know there's a snap that I do that snap gets his attention do you understand God's snap do you understand God's voice He he, he doesn't have to do anything else Then, But just simply recognize, because that's what faith is. Does he recognize that I'm I'm trying to get his attention? Does he recognize, Stevie, that I'm calling him? Maybe if I'm more serious, I say, Stevie Cornelius, Peter Daniel II, get over here. That's his full name. If I'm less serious, Monkey Man, come here. He's a little monkey, right? But no matter what it is, he recognizes my voice. And the reason he recognizes my voice is because I'm his daddy. You, too, recognize God's voice. So at this crisis of belief, in order for you to, to actually make the right decision, you simply need to understand and have faith that God is speaking to you. If I did not have faith that God was telling me to, to start a prayer group, we would never have experienced God where people's lives was encouraged. If I had never had faith to believe that God was speaking to me, I would never have followed his footstep to move here to Rome, Georgia. If I had never had faith, I would not believe that God was telling me that my wife is my wife. When I was reading a book and I got to the end of the book and it said, you got to be willing to get rid of your fake pearls to get the real thing. If I didn't, I know that was cute. Yeah. If I didn't believe that God was speaking to me, I would have passed her right up. And then she would have been doomed for the rest of her life because she wouldn't have me. You get what I'm saying? All the men in the audience, you know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Because men that find of a wife well, find of a good thing. But it requires, yeah, you clap, whatever you want. It requires, first of all, that I believe that, I, that I'm having an encounter with God. Or to better, or say it better, I believe that God is speaking to me. Yeah. So number one, do I believe that God is speaking to me? And I want to read this to you because the children of Israel, the Israelites, they experienced this. The, the whole mindset was God told them that I was taking you to the promised land. He sent Moses to freedom from Egypt, and then they walked to the wilderness as they were headed on to the promised land. It says this in Numbers chapter 14. If you have your Bible, you can open it up, but we'll show it on the screen. In verse 26, then the Lord said to Moses, let me back up. Let me say this before I read this. Here's what happened. God told him to take the promised land. He sent 12 spies to go free out the land. And the 12 spies, 10 of them came back with a negative report. Two came back with a great report. In that heart, in that mindset, this is what we pick up. Verse 26 of, of chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long must I put up with this wicked community and its the complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. They tell, they tell them this. Now, I'm sorry, forgive me. Now tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I would do the very things that, they, that I've heard them say. You will all drop dead in the wilderness. How many of you guys want to tell people that? You're going to drop dead in the wilderness. Sorry. <laughs> this is God. It's different. It's more powerful. All right? You all drop dead in the wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who are 20 years old and older and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swear to give you. Only exception will be Caleb, son of the J-guy, and Joshua, son of nobody or none, whatever you want to say. Understand, they didn't believe that God was speaking to them. So when they got to this point where God told them, go and spy out the land, and it came back with a negative report The report that came back was so bad because of who they believe they were as opposed to who they believe who God was. And God was like, since you believe that, I'm going to give you what you believe. What you believe about God is how you're going to act. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But if you believe that God is not your healer, that's what you're going to get. If you believe that God is not your source, that's what you're going to get. If you believe that God doesn't care about your day to day life that you just go about your own business and it's all about you that's what you're going to get. What you believe speaks about you more than God. I'm sorry. I don't want to get into that. But understand, if you don't believe that God is speaking, you're not going to do the right thing. That's what we're looking at. All right, let's go on. So what is faith? This is where the Vine's expository dictionary tells us what faith is. It says, faith is... I have to get the word in my head. All right, faith is a conviction based on what you believe, I mean what you heard. It's simply what you believe. It's a persuasion, a firm persuasion. I like to say faith is actually um, belief plus action. And I'll explain that in a little bit, what faith is. But it's a persuasion. It's a conviction based on what you've heard. It's simply what you believe. So when when God said it's impossible to please God without faith, is he saying that, is it possible to leave me, please me without believing me? Because even the demons believe that God exists. There's more to faith than just simply believing. James actually digs into it deeper. That faith, I mean, that belief without action, or faith without action is actually dead. And we'll get into that in a second. But I just want to just explain faith as a whole. Faith is belief plus what you do with what you believe. If God told you to do something, that's good to recognize that his voice. Now you got to do a little bit more. Step one is: Do you believe it was an encounter with God? All right. I mean, do you believe it was God speaking? Step two is: Is it an encounter with God? An encounter with God is always God-sized. An encounter with God are God-sized. Um, I think the best way to describe this encounter with God being God-sized would be what God often did in the Old Testament, or even in the New Testament with the believers. Right? God sized things. Martin, Martin. Moses parting the Red Sea. The Israelites walking around the wall of Jericho every day for seven days or six days, and then on the seventh day walking around seven times. Right? Daniel shutting up the mouth of the lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I usually will say the other word. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Getting thrown into the fiery furnace and not burning up. God-sized things. Elijah calling down fire to consume the, the sacrifice. God-sized things. But understand that even if it's not a God-sized thing, in your mind, it still may be a God-sized thing. I refer back to the story. A God-sized thing is someone who is feeling discouraged from a simple seeing people being dis- encouraged. That's a God-sized thing that no one else can do. A God-sized thing is giving someone a ride, a complete stranger, in this day and age when you don't give them a ride. Back in the day, you can go down a freeway and hold out your thumb and people give you a ride from all over the place. Pastor Ronnie was telling me about when he got a ride back from Tennessee or wherever you were at. I'm like, I wouldn't have picked him up. He looked a little hippie-ish, right? But a God-sized thing doesn't have to be this huge display of something. Maybe it is God just want to use you to bless someone else. But, encounters with God, our God sighs. It says this in Joshua 2, verse 8 through 11. Before the, the, the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab, this is, if you fast forward in the story of the Israelites, the other ones that were there, they had died. Everybody that was 40 years and above was dead. Now Joshua has taken over from Moses. Now he is now sending out spies to go spy out the land again. This is where we pick up. Verse 8. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went onto the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord had given you this land, she said. We are all afraid. Everyone in the land is in terror, living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know that you did I mean, what you did in Silo, Mm, those two words, in Og, the two Amorite kings in the east of the Jordan River, whose people were completely destroyed, no wonders our heart have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is supreme God of heaven and above and earth below. Here's what happened. When it's a God-sized thing, it's not just for you, it's for other people. So what happened was, these people had already heard all that God had been doing with the Israelites. Has people, has unsafe people been hearing what God has been doing in your life? Has unsafe people been hearing what God is doing at Cornerstone Church? This is a a, a point where God is trying to convict us I need you to step out and start believing things that are beyond your means. Yes, it's great that your needs are provided for. But when people hear what God is doing, they want to be a part of it. They were in fear because they heard already before they even showed up in the land. This is 40 years afterwards. Right. Because they were those people died in the wilderness. They had been there 40 years. They had heard and been in fear because this group of people are coming their way. And so they heard what God has done all those years ago. And still they're like, oh, my goodness, God is powerful. He's going to do something with these people. Is God doing something with you to the point where it's so big that unless he intervenes, you fall flat on your face? Because when people hear and see what God is doing through you, that's what draw people close to God. When Jesus showed up on the scene, understand, it's because of the miracles he did that people flocked to him by the thousands. If he had just showed up and just been with his disciples, I don't think much would have happened. But because he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he he healed the blind, he did all these miracles, he turned water into wine, he fed them. Like, if you're going to throw a feast and you put some food in it, I'm there especially as a fish fry cuz I love me some fried catfish. Give me some catfish. Come on now. I know. I'm from the, I'm from Detroit. I know. We don't we, that's that's what they have in the, in the river in Detroit. You just that's what you, never mind. Okay. When it's a god-sized thing and you step out and believe and God works through, that's when lives begin to change. If you look at the church history, if you look at anything in church history, you will see stories of men and women of God who dared to believe God would do great things. And when they did, God did those great things, then people flocked to their doors by the thousands. Because when God does great, when God does God-sized things, no one can doubt it. But are we willing to believe? Not, that, not just that God is speaking, but maybe if it's something huge that God would actually follow through, I'll say it one more time: that unless God intervenes, are you believing to the point that unless God intervenes, you'll fall flat on your flat, not fat on your face? That's not the word. Flat on your face. That's what God wants us to do. God wants this body of believers to be so on fire, so daring in our belief that we're believing God to move mountains. God wants us to get to the point that whatever he asks us to do, we will do it. And then you will see the miracles happen. I don't know about you, but when he tells me that it's impossible to believe him without faith, then I want to make sure that I'm pleasing to him. Because when I'm pleasing to him, then those God-sized things will happen. Okay. Here's what the God-sized things look like. You've, I've said this story many times. When I was younger, I was in a coma, chickenpox inside of me, and I was supposed to die. Or I was supposed to be in a vegetable state for the rest of my life. The God-sized thing that showed up was it miraculously healed me I didn't have to go through like 50 years of therapy and all these things. God healed me. I was on my deathbed. God healed me. And because God healed me, it spoke to all those people that were praying for me. And their faith got turned up. God-sized faith. I've, I've heard stories of Smith, Smith Wigglesworth. Oh, I'm reading his, his sermons. Smith Wigglesworth was a daring man who believed that God would do big things in people's lives. He showed up in scenes and anybody that was sick, they were getting there healed. Anybody that was possessed of a demon. They were getting freed. Anybody that had any need that, that, that they felt like it was too big for them. It was like, no, let me give you scripture to back it up and let me help you to understand what God is doing, because God is here and he's going to show up in no way. So I'm telling you guys right now in your own life, if you're dealing with a sickness, it's time to turn up and believe that God would heal that sickness. If you're dealing with an ailment that you feel like it's too big that I, I don't I'm just trying to follow what the what the doctors are telling me to do. Why don't you listen to King Jesus and get the doctor report so that you can transform your life? Because God wants to heal you to reach your neighbors. It's I know we think it's just about us and God loves you. That's beautiful. He wants you healed. But, oh my goodness, look about the think about the people that can get touched when you get healed, who've known you in all your sickness and disease, who've known you that you've been struggling with this and you've just been leaving God and God shows up and heals you out of nowhere. And think about the praise report. Think about the lives that will get changed because they believe God is still active and alive today. The reason people aren't flocking to church is because they don't see God-sized things happening. Sorry, I'm spitting everywhere. They're not seeing us believe anything from God. (laughs) I'm sorry. I work in this church. I work alongside my pastor. Pastor Jody is my pastor, just like he's your pastor. And we're wondering what we're missing. Maybe we're missing. And this is why he brought us to experiencing God. Maybe we're missing believing God to do big things in our life. And it's not just enough just to believe it. Now we're going to take a step of faith. So the next thing, first, I mean, number three is what you do reveals what you believe. So we know that God, number one, we know that God, um, that when God speaks, it's an encounter with God. We believe that, that God's spoken. It's like my kids hearing my voice. It's great they believe that. Two, I mean, two is when he asks us to do something, it's going to be big or it's God size. So it's not just about us, it's about other people. Three is, what you do with what you hear reflects what you believe. (laughs) Um, You guys, if you don't have kids, you've been a kid once. You know bedtime rituals. Bedtime, right, you have one individual, one parent in the house, or one person in the house who's trying to put everybody to bed. Let's just say it's Pearl. Um, And let's just say she's asking the kids, you know, i I tell Pearl she's like a hippie, so bear with me. She, it's like, how do you feel about going to bed at this time? She don't do this, but this is how I feel. She, Stevie, let's have a conversation. I think it's bedtime. What do you think? Well, I don't feel like it's bedtime. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell me and come back when it's bedtime, right? That's that. It's, or she'll go, Stevie, it's bedtime. A minute later, Stevie, it's bedtime. A minute later, Stevie, it's bedtime. I'm like, woman, if you just don't stab this child and put him to bed, he, he ain't going to bed, right? There's... There's a difference. And I know moms, I apologize. It's mostly moms who have to deal with the kids all the time, and the kids don't listen to you. Right? And I apologize. Because moms talk to their, they're, they're about to lose it. The reason they snap on dads is because they have lost it because they've been talking to their kids all day, and they don't listen. Why won't you listen? That's all I'm asking. So bedtime. How many times would mom have to beg Stevie to go to bed? A thousand. Now, how many times do I have to tell Stevie to go to bed? One time. Or I go grab a knife. I know you guys think I'm joking. Ask Ella. I do. I grab knives. I'm not not doing anything. I just joke around. But, I mean, it may slip. You never know. But I ask him. One time. One time. And here's why. What Stevie believes about mom reflects what he believes. Let me say it. What Stevie does when mom speaks reflects what he believes about mom. He believes mom's not going to do anything. What Stevie does when I speak reflects what he believes. He believes that I'm going to knock that boy out. (laughs) I'm going to beat him. (laughs) Jessica, forgive me. I apologize. I apologize. What you believe when you hear God speaks reflects what you believe about God. I come to this side because God shook me and my core for this. When God reveals truth to us, when God speaks to our hearts, remember, he, God speaks to the Holy Spirit through the Bible, through the church, through prayer, right? When God reveals truth to us, what do we do when we, re- when we hear that truth? I'm not just talking about those still small moments where God turns you to turn. What about when God reveals to you that tithe and offering is what he has planned? Hear me out. Please hear my heart. I was raised in a church. So at a young age, my dad made sure I understood that 10% belongs to the Lord. And here's why. Because God gave you everything you have. You wouldn't have what you have. If he didn't give it to you. So if you're not being faithful with what he gave you, what makes you think he will continue to give it to you? <laughs> My daddy would often send me to the store. I know back in the day it was different. I was in middle school or elementary, late elementary. He would say, Stephen, go down the street and get to the store. Go buy me a Suzy Q and a bag of chips. It was all he was a fat dude. Suzy Q and a bag of chips, right? Always. he would give me $20. Go to the store. Buy me Suzy Q and a bag of chips. Because I was faithful to bring him back his change, after a while, he would start giving me the change. I was his favorite. First of all, I was going to point that out, right? Six boys, I was his favorite. But he would send me to the store with $20, suits, cues, and bag of chips. Back then, it was probably less than $4. I would come back, bring him his change. And that went on for a couple of times. After that, he would say, hey, you just keep the change. Don't worry about it. After that, I got so used to it that I would go to the store and buy myself something. <laughs> He's going to give me the change anyway. I might as well keep it. And Then I'll come back and I'll say, he'd be like, where's my change? I'd be like, I spent it. He's like, it's all good. I know you were. I gave it to you anyway. Understand that when we, we are, when we hear from God, if we are obedient, it speaks more about what you believe about God than anything else. When God tells you I'm, I'm talking about tithes and offering, but I hope you understand this is in other areas. When God tells you, when he, when he reads in the book of Malachi and he says, how have you, oh, I can't remember quickly. correctly. Uh, they're questioning God and say, how do we uh, sin against you? He's like, because you have kept in the tithes and offering that it belongs to God, not to you. Right. And then he goes and says, um, forgive me. I'm not even going, I'm not even gonna go there. But the point is when God reveals that truth to you, do you believe it's him speaking? Or do you believe, oh, that's what they used to do back in the old days? I'm talking to us as a church. If you believe that God was your provider and your source, then 10% would not matter. I'll even dare you to say this. There has been times where God told me to empty my bank account and give it away. If you believe that God is your source, would you empty your bank account and give it away? I know you have your job and I know you think you made that money and you have stacked it and you've been a good servant by saving your account up. I'm not telling anyone here right now to empty your bank account. This is between you and God. But just hear my heart. When God reveals truth, are you willing to step out and do what he's asking you to do? That's the point of this message. The same thing applies as it does with your your bank account. The same thing applies with your healing, your body. If God tells you that I want you to eat healthy, Because I want you to live a long life. Are you eating healthy so you can live a long life? When when truth is revealed, because that's what God's speaking to you. If God told you, I want you to love your wife faithfully, don't have anything else that separates this relationship, but yet you're so busy on being online, looking at these other girls or talking to other people, are you being faithful in your relationship and loving your spouse? If God told you, to not leave that church because I called you to that church. But that church, the pastor is just not cutting it. Whenever they get the youth pastor up there, he's even worse. (laughs) But if God told you to go there, then he'll tell you when to leave. I'm, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. What you do reveals what you believe about God. I know you think it's just you. If I hadn't uh, met in that prayer group with those guys, it reflects that I didn't believe God was going to do anything in our community. I'll tell you another story. And I, I'm going to use Beth's name. Uh, Beth works here. Her name is Beth Bailey. Um, she works here. Her husband's name is uh, Marshall Bailey. They have two kids, Kimberly and Micah Bailey. There was one time where Beth was going to our office. When our office, I believe our office was on Broad Street. And she was coming back here. She lives in uh, K-Spring. And she was coming past here where the Walmart turn is to come here or to go to our office on Broad Street. And she really had to use the restroom. Not number, one, not number two, but number one. So it's not disgusting. I'm putting our business out there. They're like, oh, you're telling a story about Beth pooping. No. She really had to tinkle. You know, you know women always got to pee. I don't know why. Like, let's just be real. Why? I don't know. Right? But she really had to use the restroom. But she felt like God told her to turn. And go use the church's restroom. But something in her head that calculated, no, it's okay, I can hold it a little bit. I'll just wait till I get to the office. That's one less turn that I have to make, right? I'm gonna go here. Guess what happens? This girl goes down the street and gets in an accident. And then, what makes matters worse, she still had to pee. <laughs> so now her car is in an accident, she messes up her car, and she's sitting there on the side of the road about to wet herself in front of everybody. Like this, I'm not making this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. This is God. Here's what happened. What she believed about God reflected on her decision. She didn't believe that that was God really speaking to her. She chopped it off as, oh, this is just me thinking out of my way. When God was like, I'm trying to protect you. I'm not just trying to protect your car. I'm trying to protect your bladder. (laughs) What you believe about God is revealed By what you do when you hear him speak. Period. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. I'm trying to be as as real and honest as I can. Because for many years, and I told you the story a couple weeks ago or last week, when I was next to that guy, and this is me right now, a couple weeks ago, I was sitting next to the guy at the tire place and I did not share with him or pray for him when I was supposed to pray for him at that moment. I didn't believe that God was powerful enough to heal that man it reflected on my decision of not praying for him. But I have made a decision that I'm not doing that again. When God speaks, even as simple as offering somebody a piece of gum, I'm doing it. And if you can join me with this, to believe so we can change our perception. okay, here's how you change your mindset. Because what you believe about God is revealed by what you do. You have to change the way you think. He says, we renew our mind by the word of God. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind by the word of God. Right? If you don't renew your mind, you're going to continue to think that God is not your source. You're going to continue to think that God doesn't want the best for you. You're going to continue to think that God doesn't provide healing. When he said healing is the children's bread, by his stripes word you healed Get the word of God. Understand that everything is provided for you. All your needs are provided for you because my God shall supply all my needs according to who? His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's not based on the market. It's not based on banks crashing or not. It's not even based on if I get a raise at my job. It's based on who? Christ Jesus. What you believe about God is revealed by what you do. So, check yourself and ask yourself, am I doing what I believe about God? um, That was a dumb question. Let me ask it better, right? Ask yourself, what does my action say about what I believe about God? Do I believe in this Bible? That's a question that we want to ask. Hmm. All right. And final thing, I mean, number four, truth, true faith requires action. True faith requires action because number one, you have to believe that God was speaking. Number two, you understand when God speaks, it's a God sized thing. So it's not just about you, it's about other people. Number three, I forgot what number three is that fast. Goodness gracious. Um, when, what you do about what you hear determines what you believe about God. And number four, this is the crust of it all. It requires faith. You guys heard us saying, action speaks louder than words. Some of you got young people don't even know what I'm talking about. But old people, you know what I'm talking about. Action speaks louder than words. Don't tell me what you're going to do. Do it. There was an old song back in the day by... Uh, Janet, the Janet Jackson. What have you done for me lately? All right, don't tell me what you're gonna do. It means nothing if all you do is talk. My wife has sat me down and had conversations with me, and I promise I'm going to change. But it means nothing if I don't change. Women and wife and husbands, you know what I'm talking about. What about your kids? You've had conversations with your kids. Look them in the eye when they're little. Say, don't do that again. Okay. What do they do? They go back to the cookie jar. Actions speak louder than words. It means nothing if I tell my daughter Ella to clean her room and she doesn't do it. I have sent her to her room. Last night, in fact. After Pearl was talking to her, I looked at her. After Pearl, I was like, I have had enough. She told her a thousand times. And I was like, I don't feel like cleaning. I'm like, I'm about to kill somebody in this house. 911 right away. But I went to her and I just said, go clean your room. She went to the room. Did she clean the room? No. She was actually supposed to go make her bed. She started figuring out other things, playing on her phone. Well, I was about to do it. So I took her phone away. And she was mad. She was upset. But it means nothing if I ask her to do something and she doesn't do it. You guys know what I'm talking about. Because your parents will ask you to take out the trash. And you don't take out the trash. And then your parents wake up and say, why didn't you take out the trash? I forgot. It means nothing if you believe that God is speaking to you and you don't put action behind it. It means zilch. What does it account for? Absolutely nothing. Even the demons believe that God is God. Even demons believe that God is still speaking. But they're not doing anything about it. It means nothing if God said, I will heal you. And you don't believe that God will heal you and you don't put action behind it. You don't start confessing it over your life. You don't start walking in a way. You don't start saying it. You don't start show, uh, proving to people that I have been healed. It means nothing if God is your source. If you don't act like God is your source, then you give a tenth of your tithe. If God tells you to do something with the funds, you do it. If God is your source, he can provide. If he gave it to you, he can take it away. It means nothing. James says this because he's talking about faith, and we understand this. This is the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus. And he said this about faith in James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? What good is it, brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? anyone. Suppose, just hypothetically, you see a brother or sister sit on the side of the road, no food or clothing, and you say, hey, goodbye, buddy. Hope you have a great day. (laughs) Stay warm and eat well. You understand what he's saying? You see someone helpless on the street. You sense it here. And you say, hey, I want you to stay warm out there. Okay, buddy, it's cold out tonight and eat well. But don't give them any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds or works in some translation. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't show me your good deeds? If you don't have good deeds, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Sorry, I got to flip up to my next page. How foolish. How foolish of us. Can't you see that faith without deeds is dead and useless? We're going to jump down to 25. Rahab, the the prostitute, is another example. She was sown to be right by God, by her actions, when she hid those messengers or spies and sent them away safely on a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so is faith dead without good works. At our crisis of belief, you are faced with a decision. And if you are going to make the right choice, you're not only going to need to believe it, but you're going to need to put actions behind it. Because faith without works or deeds is dead. It's not enough for you to believe it. That's great. We got a, a lot of church in America with, full of people that believe that God is real. I haven't met anybody down south that isn't a Christian that doesn't believe in Jesus. Bless your heart. Hallelujah. Right. I haven't met that down here. Country songs are full of God bless the church and the beer. Right. This, I, I haven't met anybody down here like this. We're full of believers who believe in God. That's great. It's time for us to start doing something about it. It's time for us to start to be the body of believers that are believing that God would do some great things in our mix and start stepping out and doing it. If God says he want to pay off this building, God, pay off the building. We believe it by faith in the name of Jesus. If God says he want to raise everyone here that's in this building, that's sick or, or dealing with the disease, we're believing it, that God would do those things because that's who he is. He's powerful enough. If God says that he want to bless all of us out of our socks or he tells us to move to another country, that's what we will do because God is God and he's in control of the whole situation. It doesn't matter because we're just vessels. It's not even about you. I know that's selfish. That, that sound, I mean, it sounds crazy to think that, that God is not even about you. You'll get blessed along the way, but God wants to use you to bless other people because there's people out there today that are dead and going to hell. There are people out there today that we pass by on the roads that don't know that Jesus loves them, that he cares about their every being, that he cares to see them well, that he cares to see them in their right mind. That he cares to see their relationship doing great. These are the people that we walk in across every day. And if, if, if us as a church do not begin to boldly believe God to do great things, they will never get the encounter that they deserve. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Because God is in the business of changing people's lives. I, again, have been sent here to Rome, Georgia. And I want you to understand, it's not by coincidence that I've been sent here. It's not by coincidence that we're here in the church today. There's many people in this church that are not from Rome, Georgia. But God called you here for this season. It's time for us to start believing that God wants to do something in Rome, Georgia. It's time for us to start believing that God has a call on us as a body of believers, that God wants to set people free. He want to save the lost. He want to see his kingdom repopulated. He want to see the demons and the devils flee from this area. It's time for us to begin to believe and dare to put our actions behind what we believe by doing what God has told us to do. So they're getting all plugged up. If you guys will, let's do something different today. Would you mind standing up with me? I'm going to call the prayer team down here while the worship team, they're going to start doing their thing. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Here's what we're looking at. And I'm just going to dare because I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to some of you guys here. I dare to believe that as the Holy Spirit was revealing a truth to you, that you needed to step out and do that. I don't know what it looks like for you for your household. I don't know what it looks like you for you individually, but I'm just daring to believe that God spoke to someone in here that you need to have somebody come and pray with you so that you can have the faith to do what he called you to do. Amen. Understand there's different types of ways that God did things. Jesus did things when he was on the Bible. He laid hands on some, and they were healed. One guy said, all you got to do is speak the words, and he was healed. He told somebody else to go take a dip in the water, and they were healed. He put mud on people's eyes. Like he told Peter when he was there, had to pay some bills, Like, go down and go fishing. Tyler would have been happy by that. Just go down and go fishing. And he found the fish that had money in his mouth. I don't know what God wants you to do, but this people, as a worship team, begin to play. Don't You can play whenever you feel like it. When, as the worship team begins to play, I want you guys to take a step. Take a step of belief. Whatever that looks like. Understand, when Peter was trying to do something big for God by walking on water, Jesus said, come. So they had to step out of the boat and begin to walk. Today for you, whatever, your, whatever God spoke to your heart, I want you to take a step forward. I'm going to open in prayer, and then we're going to worship the Lord, and the prayer team will be up here. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I thank you for the hearts that you're speaking to. I thank you, Lord, that as we take this step of belief, Lord, whatever Holy Spirit you're revealing to us, we have the bonus to do it. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts right now. It's not about us, it's about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Just thank you, Lord. Thank you for your spirit being in here this morning. I'm just thankful that Pastor Stephen is uh, receptive to the moving of your spirit. I know there's others here that, would like to come up and have prayer today. There's power in agreement and prayer. Sometimes we have to admit what our need is before God will reach down and answer that prayer. So these folks will be up here after service as well. Um, If you want to hang around after everybody leaves, they're going to stay here, and they'll be glad to pray with you and agree with anything that you would uh, need in your life. God is a good God, isn't he? Man, thank you, Pastor Stephen, for that word today. tell you, you, know, and he's right. We talk about giving. There's different ways that we can give here. We believe that it's important as a local body that you support your local church uh, financially as well. And uh, some of you have been here a long time. You know that my story, that when you've lost it all and God restores you and brings you back to wholeness in your finances again, you realize that it was never yours in the first place. Um, when we leave this earth, we're going to take nothing with us. Um, it's all his. It's all the blessings that he's given to us. So we need to share that. And by giving to our local church, we can do that in a lot of different ways. You can give online. Uh, you can There's offering boxes in back. You can uh, drop that in there as well. Um, like I always say, if you want to give to the church, we'll find a way to take your money. So I'm serious. Please, um, if you haven't thought about that, I just think it's really, really important to support your to support your local body here. So Thank you for being here today. We're going to send you out with the Lord's blessing out of Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face towards you, give you his peace. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free
0: to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.